Hallelujah. Please open your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11 from verse 1 to 6. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained a witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and was not found, because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen. May we pray? As we pray also, let's remember our brethren this evening up on the field there in the Brongahafu region. Pray for divine favor, open heavens, pray for utterance, pray for souls to be touched. Pray that souls will be won, conviction will come, deliverance will come, healing will come. Pray that God will confirm his word with signs and wonders and miracles in the name of Jesus. And pray that God will give us his word fresh and alive that will convict us, that will strengthen us. That will build us up. That will open our eyes. So Father, we thank you for this evening. And for the privilege of being in your presence. We pray that your mercy will avail. Your blood of Jesus will speak for us. We pray, O God, that you visit our work, O Lord, in the Brongahafu region with our brethren. We pray that, Lord, you reach out to the souls and bring them from the corners Lord, save souls, deliver many, O Lord, heal many, in the name of Jesus. Even so, we pray, O God, for utterance and for manifestation of your truth. So we pray for ourselves here also, that Lord, Holy Spirit, you will speak to us. Direct our path, O Lord. Open our eyes, that when we hear your word, we shall, Lord, run to you for deliverance and for healing and for strength. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in church and tonight we are speaking on true faith leads to obedience. True faith leads to obedience. The passage we read is one of the most famous passages um, of the Bible. Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. And he goes on and on. And he says in verse 6 that without faith... It's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he, must be, that he is and that he is a rewarder 
of those who diligently seek Him. Over these many years that one has been in the Lord, I've come to realize that this subject is one of the, I'll say, complicated subjects. It looks very simple. But like love, it looks very simple, but it's very complicated. Hallelujah. It's very complicated, especially in the era in which we live. An era in which everybody wants what they want now. Hallelujah. So when you take a subject like faith, immediately everybody's mind goes to Mark chapter 11 from verse 23-24. When Jesus spoke about if you have faith like a master seed, you will speak to this mountain and to go whatever you ask the Father, if you have faith, you receive it. So, that is the under general perception of faith. And if I want people to take Hebrews 11, they don't care to read the individual cases that are listed there who are examples of faith and what they went through. But if you read further, that's why I always talk about context. Anytime you read your Bible, try to read within context, before and after. What was, who were they, those who had been addressed? What situation were they in? And if you read further, in verse 13, you see that scripture is very clear in chapter 11. That he says that these all died in faith. Not having received the promises. But having seen them afar off, were assured of them. Embraced them. And confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Hallelujah. When you go further down to verse 39, you see a similar statement there. The same chapter 11, 39. Say, all these, having obtained a good testimony, through faith, did not receive the promise. I get the understanding that faith is a vehicle to secure a certain reputation here on earth and also in eternity before God. Hallelujah. I see faith is not a vehicle for acquisition. You know, the president said, if you want to make money, then don't come into his government to make money. Many people look at politics as a way of making money. People in the faith also look at faith as a vehicle for acquiring the things they want. So today I was having a chat with a, a bishop who came to my office and was, talk, he was telling me, asking me a question about the charismatic movement. And he was saying that, oh, a certain um, anthropologist says that people decided to go into ministry in their Pentecostal, neo-Pentecostal charismatic ministry because of a certain economic situation. And I said, oh no, it's not true. It's not factually correct. Because when I got born again and I was desiring the Holy Ghost and the people that spoke to me and preached to me and I also I preached to, their motivation was not money. If somewhere along the line other things came, it's different. But I told him that no, the, 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 the motive 
People just wanted to preach anyhow. And I, told them, I remember many years ago, we stood in an in a, in a articulated track to Cape Coast. Because we just wanted to go and preach to students. And we were very happy. We were not grumbling. We were not crying. The late Reverend Padibu and I. And I told him, so we were not looking for money. So faith has, over the years, been uh, changed into something, a vehicle, that people use, think that, oh, if I want a house and I have faith, I'll get if I want a wife and have faith, I'll get. If I want to travel and have faith, I'll get. If I want a breakthrough. If demons are troubling me and have faith, I'll get. So that, that perspective of faith is not total in meaning. It's just like love. People have looked at it as, oh, if I, I, I'm loved, then I must be allowed to do what I want. If anybody who tries to tell me I can't do what I want doesn't love me. Like my little nephew used to say in London. Nobody likes me. Because he was obstructed from doing what he wanted to do. And many times when it comes to faith a lot of people think that oh, if we are talking about faith according to the Bible then it has to be that whatever you want you just have a mental picture that you will get it. And then that is faith. But tonight, we are talking about true faith. Which means that there can be false faith. Hallelujah. Which means that there can be false persuasion. And when you look at um, Hebrews 11, it's the, the evidence is there. He says, these all died, not receiving the things that they were looking for. Some of them wanted a city. Some of them wanted certain preeminence. Some of them wanted a certain experience of life, that they want to be free from certain attacks of life. They wanted to enjoy from, uh, 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 in life, and things didn't go the way they expected. And yet, the Bible said, these all died in faith. Hallelujah. Amen. So if you look at the subject of faith, I want you to look at it not from the way we have been programmed. Because there is a thin line between positive thinking and faith. Amen. In fact, the man, Norman Vincent Peale, who wrote the power of positive thinking was a priest, supposedly. In fact, his father was also a priest, if I'm not mistaken, a Presbyterian priest. But, you know, he was also a 33rd degree Freemason. And his father and his grandfather, they were also 33rd degree Freemasons for, for many years. So, it's not everything that sounds positive that is faith. Get it out of your mind that anytime somebody talks supposedly positively, it means he's acting in faith. No. Oprah Winfrey believes in positive talk and positive thinking. But her faith is about self-belief. She says and preaches that God is you. You are God. God is in you. You are God. Whether you are born again or not, you don't need to know anybody called Jesus. But you, God is in you. So if you believe in yourself, you'll be great. 
So all you need to do occasionally is to sit down in a posture, yoga form, do exercises, and then let your spirit travel, have a serenity, and believe that the things you want to do, you itemize them and confidently go about them and you achieve them. That is supposed to be positive thinking. And people can run with this and think that they are exercising faith. But they are not. There is a thin line between presumption and faith. People in church can just, that is why people go and uh, uh, you see, uh, go to a church and the preacher says, there is grass out there. Go eat it and you get so and so and so and so. And they all run and they're looking for most of the grass to eat. Believing. Not knowing that there is a true faith. The true faith is based on somebody or something that is connected to God. Amen. But So you can have a faith which is false. You can have a faith which is shipwrecked. Paul wrote to the Timothy and said, he talked about a shipwrecked faith. A faith which has lost its access. When he says shipwrecked, the boat is torn apart. It used to be once upon a time on, the, on track. But it, it can deviate. Hallelujah. So when we talk about faith, we must get it in context. Hallelujah. See, all these, having obtained a good testimony, see, all these people that were spoken about, they, they saw faith, or the Lord saw their faith as a vehicle for securing a certain spiritual position in the sight of God here on earth and in the life hereafter. Hallelujah. And if we are looking at the subject of faith, we cannot run away from this truth. But before I get to that point, you know, when we talk about faith, I know that certain words come to mind. Belief, trust, loyalty. We're talking about safety. Protection. So if I have faith in you, I, have, I believe that you can protect me. You, you are, you, I'll be safe with you. I know that you can take me far. You, you, you can facilitate where I'm going. You have the ability to provide for what I'm doing. Hallelujah. When God says, I have faith in a man, he believes him also. He depends on him. It's, 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 a, it's a, a dependent relationship. Praise the Lord. This is what when you check the dictionaries they will tell you. So in effect, let's look at the scriptures. Faith does many, many things. I'll just tell you five important things that faith will do, true faith will do for you. Number one, we learn from the scriptures, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, that faith saves. The scripture is very clear. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith. So if it is a true faith, one of the things you will see is that a person will be saved. Hallelujah. Any faith that doesn't save is not the kind of true faith. Hallelujah. It's the faith we are talking about is a faith that saves. Saving faith. It will save you from sin. It will save me from sin. It will save me from Satan. It will save me and you from, from the world. Hallelujah. Save. Faith, in the scriptures we see, Jesus saw people's faith and says, your faith has healed you or has made you well. The faith we are talking about is able to heal. Praise the Lord. We see it in Luke 18, 42. 
The faith we are talking about is able to war for us. We see it again in Ephesians 6.16 where the, the scripture says, And the shield of faith which is able to fight against all the dozen, the, 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 the weapons of the enemy. But tonight, we are also talking about Hebrews 11.2. Hebrews 11, from um, 2 to 4, especially verse 4. It says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now, let, let, let's think about this. When it says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. Do you think Abel was looking for a wife or a car, a husband, or a, 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 a trip abroad or what? What do you think he was looking for from God? Based on our understanding of faith today, what was Abel looking for from God? For him to offer a sacrifice by faith. If faith is defined by believing that God will do something for you, especially something supernatural, are you getting what I'm saying? What is it that Abel was looking for from God? Because we have now narrowed faith to be wanting something from God so badly. Is that de- depending on God to do something. So if I can depend on God to do what I'm looking for, then I have faith. If I can fast, I can pray, and I can say God is able to do it, then I have faith. But you see in verse 4, it's saying that by faith, Abel offered a sacrifice. To God. And I'm asking you and I, myself tonight, what was Abel looking for? From God. Can somebody tell me? What do you think he was looking for? Did he need a, a, a pair of trousers or a visa to America? Or to China? What was Abel looking for that made him act before God in faith? And we are dealing with the subject of faith from the authoritative chapter 11 of Hebrews. Hallelujah. There is where you see that faith is about dependency and relationship with God. It has nothing to do with a prayer request. It has nothing to do with a need that he was having. It has more to do with a dependency, a relationship that he wanted to establish with God. More than he having a need or having something that he was so bending about. So the, 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 the faith we are talking about, apart from healing and saving and all of that, is talking about a faith that gives someone a testimonial. Abel was looking for a testimonial. He said, see, they all wanted a report. By, you see, at the beginning it says, by it, the elders did what? Obtained a good report. Hallelujah. So by faith, we, we, when we say we are operating in faith, the objective of the faith is not what you can get, but how God begins to look at you. 
how God begins to accept you. How, uh, we, we are more or less looking for acceptance in the sight of God. And that's why, you see, when he gets to verse 6, he says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. The whole thing about faith is about pleasing God. That's why the just shall live by faith. Amen. This, we are talking about how the true kind of faith leads to righteousness. So that's why I want to spend time looking at what it does before I talk about what it is. So it helps you, this kind of faith, it helps me to please God. He said, by this, the elders obtain a good report. And then also, by this, without it, you cannot please God. So this kind of faith is more than getting. It's more than revenging against the enemy. This kind of faith is something about our relationship with God. It's a multidimensional relationship with God. So let's look at what are the pillars or what are the features of this true faith. If somebody says, somebody, because I've told you that some people have false faith. Some people have faith in riches. Paul told Timothy, don't let your, your, your faith be in uncertain riches. So it's a false faith. If you believe in riches. Some people have faith in their beauty. So don't let, Peter said that beauty, human beings, we are like flowers. We fade. You see a beauty queen and ten years down the line, you ask, is this the same person? Especially when they are about to die. You can see, human beings are like flowers. You can't believe it. Amen. So human beings being like flowers, hallelujah, means that we have to be humble. Don't trust in uncertain riches. Even the knowledge you may have, the connections you may have, the position you may have, there are people who have faith in their political party more than God. They believe in their political party. They would die for a political party. But if Christ word, if they, they want to be, people want to insult them for church, they will leave the church. Or they will leave Christ. But if it's about a party or a political leader, they will swear, they will call radio, they will spend all their money. If they have to come to church and the party calls them, they will forsake the meeting. Hallelujah. So there are false things that a person can put its faith in. But we are dealing with the right things that we need to put our faith in. Say amen. Some people believe in themselves. Self-belief. Self-righteous. Self-belief. They believe in the, the way they are organized, the way they are structured, the way they, they know. As for me, as for me hey, no nonsense. So I know what I'm doing. No. I have a friend like that in, in, in America. Anything you are saying, so oh, I know what I'm doing. Everything, when you raise it, oh, I know what I'm doing. And he always gets into trouble. And when he's in trouble, we all have to come and rally and help. Then he will get into trouble another four years. I know what I'm doing. Either it's business or marriage or anything, I know what I'm doing. He knows what he's doing, but still, he can speak in tongues 24 hours. Don't be like that. Tell your neighbor, don't be like that. Hallelujah. Let the Lord show you how to do it. Amen. So because of the danger of having the false form of faith, it's important 
to learn the proper kind of faith. Amen. Four important elements of good faith or authentic or true faith. Number one, authentic faith or true faith is established on dependence on God. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Hallelujah. Dependence on God. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. When you read John, you see, no man has seen God. We haven't seen God. But there is faith in Him. That even though we haven't seen Him, we depend on Him. And what He says, hallelujah. Dependence on God. What God has said, you may not see Him. But when you read His word, and I was reading somewhere, it says, when you go on the net, and you read that, how many of us know that there's a place in the world called White House? How many of us know that? How many know that? Okay. How many of us know that there's a place called Asorok in Nigeria? How many have heard of a place called Asorok? The presidential palace of Nigeria in Abuja is called Asorok. Those who say, some of us, say, we've heard about it. Have you been there before? How many of us have been there before? How many? But when they said Abacha has died and he died in Asorok, did you believe it or you didn't believe it? Did you see Abacha's grave? Did you see him buried? Did, has anybody seen, did, was anybody there to see that you touched him, you squeezed him, they did all the eye tests, the pupil thing, they checked and they found out Abacha is really dead. But you know that Abacha is dead. What if he was hidden somewhere in a part of Nigeria and they told us that he was dead? Are you getting what I'm saying? Okay, Ronald Reagan. How many of us were born when Ronald Reagan was alive? Heard of him. If I tell you that he's still alive in Los Angeles, will you believe me? How many will believe it? Why? Because you believe in Washington Post, CNN, New York Times, what, which one again? BBC. They all came together. Okay, they said Lady Diana is dead. I don't believe she's dead. I believe she's in Paris. Will you believe it? You see, I sound strange. Because I am the only one trying to say that all these papers, all these media people, what they are saying is true, but I'm saying that it's false. Isn't it what you I get, I'm driving at a point, so get me. See, we believe in things we have not seen. Because over the period, these media houses have established a certain reputation for certain news. Hallelujah. And because anytime a CNN, it's very difficult for them to make a mistake. If they say that, oh, so so and so is dead, or so so and so is alive, or so so and so has achieved that. You don't, you are not there. They say there's a 39 year old boy who has married a 60 something year old woman in France. He's a president. You haven't seen him before. His class teacher is his, is his, is his wife. You haven't seen him, but you have been talking about him. Or you believe the story is true, or you don't believe it. Why do you believe it? Because it's in the news. Channel France has said it. Others have said it, so you believe it. You don't know that guy, but you are condemning him. 
What if it's a falsehood? It may be that they are just, they've just ganged up and they've made up a story. But you see, that's how easy it is for us to believe stories of men. Now I'm talking about the true kind of faith. Here is dependent on what God who created all mankind and those men that you believe. He made all. Amen. So why don't we believe God because of who He is? So true faith is dependent on God. It's also dependent on the trustworthiness of God. Or by God. Two things in this one. When we talk about true faith, when God says a man has faith, God is saying, this man is trustworthy. God said to, about Abraham, he said, how can I, in, in Genesis 18, verse 18 and 19, he said, I want to go and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, but I cannot. Knowing that, Abraham, I trust him to raise his family in a certain way. God trusted him. So, true faith is an interdependence faith. You trust God, God to trust you. If we say a man has faith, and all his faith is just saying big things. I, I believe that I'll be a billionaire in, 20 years, in five years' time. I believe that I'll have this, I'll have that. And he's not trustworthy. When you give him two seeds, and you give him to ask him to bring back change, to buy something worth two seeds, and to, uh, five seeds, and ask him to bring back the change of three, it becomes a problem. When he says, I wait for me, I'll be back in an hour. You wait for one day and he hasn't come and he doesn't have, he doesn't feel it. So when we say a man has faith, he is in the sight of God, trustworthy. He is dependable in the sight of God. That is what First Corinthians, when you see faith in First Corinthians 4, verse 1 and 2. That is required of a steward that a man is found faithful. That is not the, 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 the name it, claim it, the one you see in Mark chapter 11. This is talking about trustworthiness. So, and, and you see, for, your, trust, for your, your name it, claim it to be really authentic, your trustworthiness has to balance it. Hallelujah. The integrity of your word and actions must be consistent with the faith that is proclaimed by the mouth in terms of what God is able to do. It's not how big. You know, sometimes, oh, we are going to do this big thing. All of us, we're going to raise this dead person. And we, we believe it to happen. And then somebody says, oh, this one, I'm not sure. Then maybe may, may, for us, we say, oh, such a person, he doesn't have faith. But the people who say they will go and raise that dead person, if you check, you see that they, when they give their way, they don't keep it. After a short time, they will turn around. Hallelujah. The things that they said they would do, they don't do. But the faith we are dealing with over here, we are talking about trustworthiness of faith. Trustworthiness. God can depend on you. You can depend on God. Mutual dependence. Hallelujah. That is what we are talking about. True faith. It is a kind of faith that produces the righteousness we are talking about. Now, Father Abraham was dependent on God for his substance. That's the reason why when he said, leave all that, your father's inheritance, and all of these things, and follow me. There was dependency. He trusted God. Then God also trusted him that this man, the way he has followed me with his people, 
he will t- he will, he, he's willing. I can depend on him that if I ask him to be the father of all nations, he will not disappoint me. Because, you see, there is a difference between Abraham and his father. His father, if you read chapter um, 11 of um, um, Reb, uh, 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 um, Genesis, you will see that when his father, God had approached his father earlier on, apparently. Because God, when God if, you, if you want to question it, you can look there, you'll find it. When the man got to the middle of the road, he stayed in the town and he remained. But when you get to chapter 12, verse 5, I wouldn't read, waste, spend time on that. Chapter 12, verse 5, you see that the Bible said, and God, Abraham set himself to go, and to, there, to Canaan he came. Said, then Abraham took Sarah his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. When you look at King James, you see the same thing. He said, to Canaan he went. So he proved to God that he was dependable. That is faith. That when you say, when you say, I will keep my pledge. When I will keep my pledge. You are not faithful even in basic things like tithe or a pledge. But you say you have faith to move a mountain. You have faith to own a, a plane. You have faith. Because it's, it's easy to say. It's, I have faith to claim this and to claim that. That is the way, that's a limited understanding of faith. This faith we are talking about is a faith that is not just depending on God, not just, not just asking for things, but a faith that is depend, God can depend on you. Faithfulness, reliability, integrity. Now, when we say integrity, it's another word for faithfulness. Integrity is taken from the word, the same root word of, of mathematics. What you say, an integer. An integer is what? A whole number. One, two, three, four, five. Whole number. Hallelujah. Minus five, minus six. They are all whole. But when a dot, decimal comes in, fraction comes in, it ceases. Now, the word integrity is based on the fact that God looks, God is whole. Or you, when God says, you are a man of integrity, it means when you, your word is your bond. You are not double tongue or double action, acted. You are the same in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the evening. Say amen. You are the same. You are consistent. You have kept with God. So when God is talking about a faithful man, he's talking about people who are consistent with him. Not people who will be in the Lord for two years. When things are not okay, then they backslide. When things are okay, they come on. When they are sunshine, weather, fair weather Christian. Fair weather Christian is not a man of faith or a woman of faith. Even if they can believe God for, to be a billionaire, it's not a man of faith. Because he's not reliable. When God is looking for you to use for the work of the ministry, you are not there. That is fair weather Christian. So, trustworthiness on the side of God is one of the way indicators, one of the important pillars. So, I said dependency, trustworthiness. Another thing that shows that your faith is authentic or is true is the work of God. Work. James told us in chapter 2, verse 14 to 26, the works, the fruit, the character. Acting like God in the human sphere. 
If God is merciful, you become merciful. If God is loving, you become loving. If God is tolerant, you become tolerant. Acting like God is a manifestation of faith. A person of faith cannot act contrary to, consistently act contrary to the nature of God. Hallelujah. So, if you have true faith, you act like God. So, James said, show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith with works. And how does he demonstrate? How can you see a poor man, he's hungry, and say, oh, go and be fed. And you don't feed him, you don't help him. But when you have sympathy on that person, when Jesus saw the 5,000, the scripture said he had compassion on them. He felt for them. So, we can't be people of faith and be insensitive to those that are in uh, agony. Those that are, when somebody, some of us sometimes in our, suppose, suppose spirituality and faith, when a brother or sister is going through tribulation and trial, say, oh, you don't have faith, you don't have faith. Move on, move on. It's contrary to true faith. It's good to encourage people. But, it must be in love. It must be with, 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 with uh, what, what do you call it? Some form of sympathy, empathy. It must be with forbearance. Hallelujah. I can encourage you. You can encourage you. You can provoke one another unto love and unto good works. But when it becomes like, because I am not able to appreciate your level of oppression of faith, it means I am weak. And so, I am not of value. It is not total. It's not true full faith. It's not full faith. And it's only a matter of time that you realize that a situation will come which will show that no, it's not true faith. Because <laughs> I, I, I think they talk about a certain priest who used to talk about, tell the church congregants, oh, this one, no, no problem, no problem. And then when he had his own problem, he, he was saying that, oh, that one is for them and all of that sort of stuff. And it's not for him. The word is for them. It's not for him. Hallelujah. So, true faith manifests the handiwork of God. The character of God. Character of God in different spheres. So, James says that, show me your faith without works. Where you are just proclaiming things out. Oh, big things. Great things. God will do this for you. I believe my God is able to. Yes, fine. I'll pray all the powerful prayers. You pray all the powerful prayers. They are at the end of the day. When it comes to the things that manifest that indeed the God that I believe is work, at work in me, there's no show. That contradicts the faith. It doesn't make it authentic. It puts a question mark on the faith. But of all these, the last one I want to mention is that beliefs about God through Jesus Christ is also very fundamental. There are four pillars. Number one, I said, is dependence on God. Two, trustworthiness. Mutual trustworthiness. That's God depending on you. Or God trusting you, you trusting God. Number three is the work of God. The works that we work. The, the way we relate to people. The way we relate to situations. The way we manifest God's glory as we go. That shows that the faith we are manifesting is authentic. And the last one is, I see... All these three things I've said, somebody, like I mentioned of our Winfrey, they can all say they are serving God. But the real, real test is that what or who is all this supposed faith 
based on somebody can be a very you go to an office somebody can be a, a very very committed worker he's faithful so in terms of mutual trust you will get it if you leave 10 cities as an accountant you leave 10 cities for him you come back and you meet your 10 cities if you leave 20 you meet 20 so he's trustworthy He's depend, he, 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 he does rituals that show. He says, I pray to God five times or six times or eight times a day. I do this ritual. I'm carrying this holy book so constantly. But the authenticity is not by the books and by the rituals, nor by the fact that, oh, he doesn't steal. And when you, he says, oh, two o'clock is two o'clock. That is good. But underlining all this, who does he depend on in terms of faith? Whose doctrine, whose word guides him? That is where we make the, we, we, the sharp difference comes. When we say, when you read the Bible, you see faith is represented in many ways in the Bible. And one of the ways you're going to see faith a lot of times, you see in the book of um, Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, talks about the fact that not all men have the faith. Then you are realizing that it's a different thing. So the Christian set of beliefs, you see, in the, in the book of Acts, there's something called the way. Then there's also the faith. It means that there is only one legitimate, authentic way, and there's only one, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's also carrying the faith. The Christian experience, the fellowship with God through Christ, is what we call the faith. The teachings of Christ, the teachings of the apostles, the teachings of the church coming together is what we call the faith. So a person cannot exercise faith when he does not believe and adhere to the things that we call the faith. For example, he doesn't believe. He says to you that Jesus was just an angel. Jesus was not an angel. Jesus is God with us. Hallelujah. He doesn't accept that Jesus is the Son of God. Yet he says he has faith. No, he doesn't have the faith. Because his, his, his set of beliefs and understanding of God is different from what God calls the faith. Let's look at a few scriptures on that. In Jude, verse 3, the scripture says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith. Now, when you see for the faith, there, he's not talking about believing for miracles. He's talking about the Christian faith, the Christ-centered faith, the doctrine of Christ, the teachings of the Word of God. So, that is a, because, you see, which was for once delivered to because. When you read verse 4 down, it says, For many strange people have come in unawares, and they are teaching strange things for the truth. They have substituted the truth. So you and I are being urged to contend earnestly for the faith. That faith is the body of beliefs, the body of accepted things that are said in the Bible about God and about his relationship with mankind, about Jesus Christ, his son. So somebody saying God, God is not enough. God, God, what kind of God are you talking about? But when you talk to Winfrey, you should say God. When you talk to the Buddhist, you say God. When you say the Hindu, you say God. Which God? Now which God you are talking about now? 
That's why sometimes I get uncomfortable with all the many, many gospel songs now. My, my God, my God, my God. Because many of it is, is so liberal in our perspective. It doesn't establish the way. It doesn't establish the faith. It's so loose. It's so generic. Everybody can take the meaning and run with it. That's not what we are talking about. We are talking about an authentic faith in Christ. That if I say I believe God, I am saying I believe the God of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When I say I believe that God is dependable, I'm not... Dependable, dependable God. What dependable God now? That dependable God must have Jesus the Son of God. If that is all there is, without Jesus the Son of God, it's not complete. Hallelujah. It's the, and and the, the, even the Jesus the Son of God must be authentic Jesus. And when I say authentic Jesus, you see, when we were having our um, graduation last week or so, last two weeks or so, a certain man who is a, a professor in Islamic studies was talking at a point in time. Then in the, he quoted the Quran. And he said, we Muslims, we believe that Jesus is coming again. He's an authority in America. The, one of the topmost scholars you find in, in Islamic. He teaches in Jordan. All the top Islamic everywhere. He has been involved in all kinds of negotiations. But I was not fooled by that. Are you getting it? Because they, 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 they said so many things. They said, oh, but, and they said, Jesus is coming again. He's been in the, whole, the Quran. That Jesus is coming again. And he's coming to judge the world. He said it. It's a cleric. I have it. You see? But there are fundamentals about Jesus that when I decide to pronounce, I know he will be uncomfortable. When I say Jesus is the son of God, he's not going to be happy. So the faith he's referring to is not as authentic. So he may, he may be a man who will be very prim and proper. Everything will fall in line. When you go through the three points of faith we are spoken about, the dependency, the trustworthiness, uh, uh, the works, goodness, giving, uh, salaka, everything, it's fine. But when it comes to the litmus test, the final test and uh, proof of identity, something will show. And the proof is the, how do they receive the message of Jesus Christ as the Son of God? Because that's what First John 4 tells me. Whosoever, verse 1 to, to 3, that whosoever says that God, Jesus Christ came in the flesh, is the Son of God. Is, 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 or is a child of God. Or is the Spirit of God, sorry. But if a spirit doesn't accept it, then we have a problem. Hallelujah. So, these four form the fundamentals of authentic faith. Dependence on God. Trustworthiness by God. Works of God. Beliefs. What you hold on to about God is critical. So when you look at Ephesians 4, 5, it says, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. It's not talking about faith to cast out devils, faith to get a house, faith to marry. No. That is talking about the body of beliefs that Christians hold on to. So there are some occultic, occultic movements that claim to be Christians that are not Christians. And you've got to know that. And you don't have to mix your faith. And you get confused about that. Hallelujah. So, and if you follow that path, you cannot manifest the righteousness 
the obedience we are talking about. We are dealing with true faith leading to obedience. So I've laid you, for you a foundation about what true faith really is. Now let me say this here. You see, faith faith can be manifest by different people at different times with different emphasis. Hallelujah. But these things I've said are critical. No matter how the emphasis is, because the experience of Moses is not the same as the experience of Abraham. You hear me? Abraham, we don't hear, apart from having the child miraculously, supernaturally, there is no account of miracles, healing, water opening, the uh, gate, uh, rivers, uh, sea opening, and all the things, tender, lightning, all the things that Moses saw. But the Bible describes Father Abraham as a man of faith. In fact, more than, uh, more than Moses. Even though Moses experienced more supernatural things. So, the, our experiences of faith may not be the same. But the, the core is what I'm talking about. We must agree on these things. God must depend on you. I must be trustworthy for, for, for God to use me or for God to depend on you to give you information about things happening in the spiritual realm and for you, Him to use you. The same way. I must be a channel. You must be a channel for the works of God. I, 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 I must hold on, like Jude said. I must hold on. And you must hold on to the fundamentals of our faith. The, the nature of God. The, who is God? What, how does he relate to man? Those are things that every believer, we all need to build a, a, a consensus on. Christ is coming again. We have to agree on that. The church is one, Christ's foundation. We have to agree on that. One foundation in the Lord. We have to agree on that. That the church is the pillar of the truth. We have to agree on that. We need to agree, build consensus. That the, to the blood of Jesus, the middle wall of partition is broken. We have to agree on that. Whenever we remember the blood, we remember that Jesus came and sacrificed. And therefore, we, there's no, remains no, no, we, we, we don't have to repeat the same thing again. Agree on that. We need to accept that work on the cross by faith. Together. That is how our faith becomes authentic. Now having become authentic, we, it needs to translate into some deed. Amen. It needs to manifest in certain area, areas of our lives. It will naturally lead to some obedience. Look at Romans 1 verse 5. Romans 1 verse 5. Once that faith is authentic, he says, through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to their faith among all nations for his name. That when their faith is manifest, as we are saying, their obedience is a consequence of authentic faith. It, it must flow. When the faith is authentic, he says, through Christ, when you are, your, your faith is established in Christ, you have received grace. Grace and apostleship leads us into obedience to the faith among all nations. It, it, it's a natural consequence. When the faith that we are talking about is authentic, there comes the natural obedience. Look at also the same Romans chapter 16, verse 25, 26. 
how now to him is a, a benediction. Who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. Verse 26. But now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures, made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience toward the faith. The faith teaches certain way of life. But that way of life becomes practicable through operating in the faith. That's how it is. When a person has a revelation of that same faith, their obedience becomes natural. The reason why many of us are not able to see the move into the realm of obedience is because the revelation of that authentic faith is not there. The revelation of the things is, you see, look here. But now made manifest. Before it was not made manifest. But when the manifestation comes through revelation, when the Holy Spirit reveals, opens your eyes, and you begin to understand the prophetic scriptures, made known, then, according to the commandment of the Valar, the commandment is already there. For obedience to the faith. The obedience is a consequence of a set, it's tied. Anytime you see the, the faith to the faith, you see the obedience. It's tied. They become almost inseparable. As the revelation of who Christ is, who God is, who, what His Word says, what, what relationship there is. That's why I said it's an interdependent relationship. Faith is an interdependent relationship. If you don't see faith that way, and you only see it as a monodirectional, one, unidirectional, one way, you're only waiting for God to do things for you, you can't be translated into the realm of obedience. If you only see faith as something that God do for me, do for me, do for me, do for me, and you don't see Him, you yourself, responding to the greatness of God, responding to the holiness of God, responding to the love of God, all that we are, all that we do, is when we say a man has faith, in reality, I put it this way, when I was thinking through all these things, I put it this way. My faith is a response to the nature of God and the works of God. That's all. So, if I can grasp the nature of God, if only I can know God, faith will rise up in me. See, when Jesus was healing people, and Peter and Cold were healing people, what What happened? When they saw what Jesus said, they just came. They just came. They responded. What they saw, when they saw, when they heard, when they, they saw that through the lay, even through, through what they did, the apostles did, they were also asking for things. As you see, as you hear, as you catch a revelation, a, a natural response is obedience. Hallelujah. But the reason why a lot of people are not seeing that part is that the revelation has not dawned. Because many times our, we are very myopic in our, in our understanding of God. In our view of God. And we bring our tradition into the God factor. And that doesn't work for God. God wants your horizon to open. He wants my horizon to open. So that I can see Him. That's why Paul, in spite of the knowledge that he had about God, still wanted to know Him more. See, that I may know Him. Because, see, the more you get a better... He says, here... As the more you get the knowledge of the scriptures and about how God operates and the ways he likes and the ways he doesn't like, then you see a, a, a strong yearning 
it, 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 stole, it stirs up a certain faith in you, in the, in the realm of the doing, in the realm of the obedience. So the obedience is a natural response to a revelation of God. When the revelation hasn't come, when I was born again early, there was the secondary school, and at that time, one didn't have a revelation of God in a certain sense. There are many things that bogged one down. And I'm very sure that those of us who are born again are new. There are many things that may be bugging you. And all because you haven't yet caught a certain revelation, understanding of the whole, the, the prophetic scriptures he's talking about. But when you catch it, and you understand the dimensions of the relationship that we are supposed to have with God, it tends, takes on a different way. Now, usually, one of the things it will lead you to is that you get an understanding of the grace of God. Number one. One of the reasons why many of us stay in the talk about faith and never see the obedience is because we haven't fully appreciated His grace. No, faith cannot be effective without an understanding or revelation of grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of your own ways, lest any man should. So, when you don't appreciate grace, you cannot see the manifestation of faith. Grace is that, a revelation of grace is what activates, manifests obedience to faith. When I say grace, I'm not just talking about when I sin or you sin and you go to God and then God forgives you and then you come back again and you say, Lord, forgive me this time, I'll do it again. That's fundamental, that's basic. Grace, the apostle Paul says, grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. See, when we, one of the levels of grace that we have denied ourselves of is the grace that comes from the bread. That's why Apostle Paul in, in Corinthians again talks about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God. And you see, the sharing of the grace, the benediction called the grace. Because everybody in the body of Christ has something called grace to share to make your life complete. And many of us delude ourselves that true faith is that if you can stand alone like Elijah. Elijah did, look at, eventually he had depression, he died. And, and he was called, sorry. He terminated his ministry through depression. So it's not a good thing to believe that because you, are, you, 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 you want to exercise faith, you have to stand alone. No, you cannot stand alone. I can't stand alone. I need you. You need me. For my faith, for my grace to be complete. Grace upon grace. I need your grace. I need your apostolic, your prophetic grace. I need your teaching grace. I need your membership grace. I need your, your whatever grace you are supplying. As you come to church, even your smile is part of the grace I'm receiving. So when you squeeze your face, you, you, are, you are denying me of a certain grace. When you don't talk to me, you deny me of a certain grace. Hallelujah. Why? When you don't give to your brother who is in need, you deny them of a certain grace. The Bible said, as you have mastered in the bread and so grown in it, Paul said to the Corinthians, so master ye also this grace. What grace was he talking about? The grace of giving. The grace of giving. 
So as you have become Armstrong, somebody is suffering. So he will be tempted to steal. That's why he's not being obedient to the faith. That's why his faith is not activated properly. Because God put you there to provide that grace of supplying somebody's need. But you, 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 you turn him down, you turn her down. So this one doesn't need, this one is like this too much. It's not my class, it's not my member. It's not, I don't know him, I don't know her. So you live in denial, we live in denial of the grace that should be supplied to others. And one of the grace that is often denied is the grace of giving. And when the grace of giving doesn't operate, people cannot live in obedience. Giving time, giving money, giving resources, giving wisdom. God Paul said it. So, one way of activating obedience by faith is through the sharing of grace. Not the worst grace. Hallelujah. But the active sharing of the grace. Look at yourself. What grace do you have? Some of us, we have grace intolerance. Use it well. There are some ways that when you talk, everybody, when they are even angry, they can still calm down. Your grace is there. When they see, people want to misbehave, when they see your face and the dignity of your face, they can't do what they, they want to do. That is a grace. That's why God has made you honorable. And you are afraid, or you don't want to spoil your face. You don't want to spoil your name. You see situations that God requires of you to intervene with your image because God has given you grace. No, be an enemy in yam. Hallelujah. So God gave you a grace. Your face looks, you are young, but God gave you a certain grace that when you appear on a scene, people think you are 60 years or 70 years old. When you speak, they say, oh, I didn't know the man. When I heard him on the phone, I saw him, I heard him uh, uh, on radio, I thought he was a 65-year-old man. It's grace. When they see you, and I've experienced that many times. So, when we talk, when I talk to you, to some old elderly person, it's grace that you can talk to people on the phone. They don't know you and they want to talk to you and they want to listen to you. Because of grace. And you don't take it for granted. Hallelujah. So, one way of activating the faith into obedience is by grace. Say amen. Receive the grace and share the grace. Tell your neighbor, receive the grace. And share the grace. Number two is by love. He says, for Galatians 5 says, for faith works by love. In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, but faith that works by love. Faith that works by love. So, the faith will be there, but when there love, the twin brother of faith is love. When love is not activated, the faith will not be manifest. See? And one typical example, reason why it is so is that let's take it that you, are, you say you have faith to build or you have faith to buy, to own cars or houses. Abraham, when he had faith to have all that, you see he, had, he was magnanimous. Look at Abraham talking to uh, his nephew. Say, let there be no struggle between us. But Ever you want, take it. Take the land that you like. It's an exercise of faith. Love. He knew that the young man is young. The man chose the best. No problem. 
That's kind of a form of love. He wasn't romantic. He wasn't saying nice, sweet words. But that act of love, being magnanimous, just saying, that, okay, I'm older, I'm more mature than you. You, you. you are small, but you take it. Many of us are not experiencing the manifestation of our faith because we don't understand that faith works by love. When it's authentic faith, you will see that to manifest through love. To the way we con- love is patient, love is kind, it's not jealous, not boastful, and all of that. That is, that is what brings forth, that shows forth that you have faith. And through that, obedience will happen. Amen. Another thing that will help us is the deeds, making choices or prioritizing God, choices of faith, deeds of faith. And here we go to Moses, Hebrews 11, 25 to 27. So it says that by faith, Moses chose, Hebrews 11, 25, says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he longed, he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath. You see, all these three verses are talking about choices, priorities. A man or a woman who doesn't know prioritization cannot manifest faith in obedience. Even to decide to be in church tonight is a matter of priority. Amen. To obey God in coming to fellowship is a matter of priority. There are many things that a person could do with their time. But those who are able to make it, they are able to go because even Sunday, something will come up. Monday, it will come up. Tuesday, every day, something will come up. What you do with your money so that you don't spend your tithe and offering and all of that, it's a matter of choices. But when in your heart, God is a priority, you say to yourself, if God's own, it's not about me giving God. Tithe is God's money. If God's own has not been given, I can't touch it. I will not. So, it's a matter of choice. So, Moses, the Bible says, he understood that faith, God honored his faith through the way he chose things. This was not through his endurance of affliction. With Abraham, it was endurance of affliction that any may please. Remember I said at the beginning, that when we talk about faith, authentic faith, people who are able, it is all about how you are remembered here and there. The legacy of a reputation. You see, because at the beginning I said that, that by this, our elders obtained a good report. How did Moses obtain a good report? He obtained a good report through the choices he made. How did Abraham obtain a good report? He obtained a good report through his resolute dependence on God, through thick and thin. Every situation he went through, he's still dependent on God. That is what... That is, so, me too, you too, it's our time now to make our calling election sure and make sure that we are remembered for something. It may, I don't know what you will be remembered for, but that, what I know, one thing I know is that Moses was remembered for the choices he made. What would you be remembered for so that your faith will stand? It's not, you notice that none of the people that are there were remembered for their naming and claiming big supernatural miracles of their own. All of them, the Bible says, it says, and by, by this, he chose, and it was after he made those choices that we saw the Red Sea open. It was after he made the choices that other things began to happen. So God is it's, it's give and take with God. 
It's a relationship with God. Hallelujah. It's not that because, oh, Moses was in the Pharaoh's palace and suddenly he said, I believe God is going to open the door for the Jews. And so God, I pray, I'm, I'm fasting for 40 days, 50 days, 60 days, until you liberate my people, I will not go. No. Through the choices he made, his faith was manifest. You too, I don't know what choices you have to make. Sometimes it may have to do with even marriage. It may have to do with travel. It may have to do with things or job. It may have to do with a business opportunity. That seemed to contradict your faith and contradict certain things about God. And Moses, the Bible says, he preferred the choice of God. Now the last area activating our faith, as we read, is that in, 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 in Romans 16, 25-26, is a rev- having the revelation knowledge of scripture. It's not about having knowledge of scripture, but having a revelation knowledge of scripture. And we see it, Romans 10 tells us, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. David, in his lifetime, he said, he wrote a psalm, Psalm 37 verse 25, says, I've been young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed bear for bread. So through his experience, he had had the revelation of God. So he made a statement of faith. That I'm young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor seed. But that's the revelation. And you too, you have to have your own, re- your own psalm, your own hymn, your own spiritual song. Tomorrow, when the books are opened, your experience with God today will be referred to as somebody's revelation of God. Hallelujah. So I, you and I, Another generation will come as the Lord tarries, which is going to depend on us to determine whether we are walked in faith or not. We may not all walk the same path, but through our different experiences and different measures of grace, we trust in God to take us to a point where we will be remembered. We must have a legacy here on earth and in the life hereafter. I pray that God will be my helper. God will be your helper. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Pray that your life will be that kind of legacy. Your faith will be authentic. True faith. Not be self-belief. Not in riches. Not in position. Pray for a revelation of the knowledge of the scripture. Pray for grace to prioritize God. So that when you, you, anything you are doing, make sure that God is paramount. That is a sign of faith. God by faith, Moses chose God first in all situations. He lost certain things in the choice, but he was still willing. May God help us. That even when we have to lose things, For the sake of God, we will not be afraid. May God give us grace. In Jesus' name, Amen.